Curtin Cade mornings, not just on the radio. It's a podcast, too. There is a fascinating section of Scripture, a snapshot out of the Old Testament, 1 Samuel chapter 28, where King Saul becomes a very desperate man as he's headed into a war with the Philistines. He's no longer hearing from God. David has been anointed as the next king. Saul has been rejected. And so so Saul is is looking for some type of guidance from God, and he actually turns to a medium or a witch, uh, some translations call her a witch, uh, to, uh, to find out, you know, to get a word from God as to what to do with this impending uh, battle that, that's, that's coming up just around the corner. So he shows up, and it's just so fascinating because he asked this lady to call up Samuel, the prophet, who had died. Mm. And the way this unfolds, have you ever wondered about uh, the ins and outs of this? Yeah, it really is fascinating. And I think it really applies to people's thinking today as well. Yeah, when we're seeking God's will. Mm-hmm. You know, this is an interesting conversation. You know, do ghosts exist? Was Sam, Was it really Samuel? Was it a demon impersonating Samuel? We talked about all of that with John Beeson. He's a pastor from Tucson, Arizona, who has written an article about this. Um, we We took a look at all of that, but... Something that we wanted to highlight with this, even more than uh, disobeying God and contacting the dead and and all of that, what about me when I'm seeking God's will? Do I overstep my bounds? Do I want an answer from God that fits me? Uh, And I'm not satisfied with his word and with his guidance. Before we dive into this, we're going to uh, the book of 1 Samuel in the Old Testament, chapter 28, to kind of set up the conversation. Um, Samuel was a prophet, of course, and uh, he died, and all of Israel uh, mourned for him, and so he was, was dead and buried, literally. Now, Saul, uh, who had gone off the rails, and of course, because of his disobedience, had been disqualified by God, rejected by God as king. He was the first king of Israel. And David had been anointed as king. And of course, we know King Saul was jealous and chased him in the wilderness for years and years and years. That long saga, again, the book of 1 Samuel details all of this. But we're coming to the end of the book. And Saul is a desperate man. The Philistines are bearing down on him, and uh, he had, well, it says here in chapter 28, Saul had banned or removed from the land all of those who were trying to contact the dead, the mediums and spiritists. So he had removed them, but then uh, he didn't hear from God because of uh, you know his fellowship with God was broken, et cetera, et cetera. So he's like, I need to hear from Samuel. Well, there's a problem. Samuel's dead. So what? uh, let's pick it up at verse 8. Then Saul disguised himself by putting on other clothing and went, he and two men with him, and they came to the woman by night. That's uh, the the woman in Endor. And this is what Saul said, Conjure up for me, please, and bring up for me whom I shall name to you. But the woman said to him, Behold, you know what Saul has done, how he has cut off those who are mediums and spiritists from the land. Why are you then laying a snare for my life to bring about my death? So Saul vowed to her at that point, uh, interesting, by the Lord, the word says, 
saying, As the Lord lives, no punishment shall come upon you for this thing. And then the woman said, Whom shall I bring up for you? And he said, Bring up Samuel for me. When the woman saw Samuel, she cried out with a loud voice, and the woman spoke to Saul, saying, Why have you deceived me? For you are Saul. The king said to her, Don't be afraid. What do you see? And the woman said to uh, King Saul, I see a divine being coming up out of the earth. And he said to her, what is his form? And she said, an old man is coming up, and he is wrapped with a robe. And Saul knew that it was Samuel, and he bowed with his face to the ground and did homage. Then Samuel said to Saul, why have you disturbed me by bringing me up? And Saul answered and said, I am greatly distressed, for the Philistines are waging war against me, and God has departed from me and no longer answers me, even through the prophets or by dreams. Therefore I have called you, that you may make known to me what I should do. And Samuel said, Why then do you ask me, since the Lord has departed from you and has become your adversary? The Lord has done accordingly as he spoke. Uh, through me, for the Lord has torn the kingdom out of your hand and given it to your neighbor, to David. And you did not obey the Lord and did not execute his fierce wrath on Amalek. So the uh, Lord has done these, has done this thing to you this day. Uh, moreover, the Lord will also give over Israel along with you into the hands of the Philistines. Therefore, tomorrow you and your sons will be with me. Indeed, the Lord will give over the army of Israel into the hands of the Philistines. Okay, so it's really important for us to, to actually dive into the word, to, to know uh, what is going on here. Um, okay, so where do we start with this, John? First of all, um, Saul is indeed a desperate man. Let's start there. Yeah, this is, I mean, this is a fascinating text. Um, it's, it's really the only time in Scripture we we see an encounter like this. And so Saul, you know, Saul's a desperate person looking for answers. And he's, he's tried to kind of gone the traditional routes to say, Hey, how can God please answer me? What's, what's going to happen at this, at this war? And, and God has not answered him. God is silent to him. And so we see them like he kind of, he, he, he takes this, this radical step, this is clearly against the law. You cannot seek out a medium. And actually, you know, even the fact that Saul had cast them out of the land, like it's easy to set Saul as kind of the, the black hat and David as the white hat. And yet it's more complicated than that, right? Like there is, there are lots of things that Saul does that are good, or at least, you know, speak of kind of, impulses toward good in his heart. And yet ultimately, even here, we see kind of what ultimately happens. Like, what is Saul's relationship with God look like? Like, Saul wants what he wants from God. And so he's he's going to push to get that at any and all costs. You know, I'm thinking, it kind of reminds me a little of the prosperity gospel in a way. Like, he knew God. He knew God had the answers. But was he using him like, almost like superstition or some kind of, you know, if I get him to say, okay, then it'll happen, as opposed to trusting God? That's a, that's a great uh, analogy. I, I had not thought of that before, but I think that's that's right, right? Like, when God becomes for us a dispenser of any kind of good, right? Um, 
he stops being God. He stops having uh, the reality that if he is the one in charge, he has his own sovereign reasons. And that's exactly right. Like Saul is trying to squeeze out of God an answer here. Um, that's, that's making God kind of this, this cosmic, you know, GPS, like God, mm-hmm. give me an answer, show me the way. And in that sense, like, I think a lot of us can relate to Saul here. Like, we become desperate. You know, God, give me an answer. What, God, why are you not being clear what job to take, who to date, whether to marry this person, you know, what house to buy, and, you know, when to have children. And, and that's just, um, it's, it's not that it's wrong to ask God those questions, but when our entire relationship with God is predicated on the answer to those questions, like, we only want the answer to those questions, then he, we, we reduce God from who he is, and we make him kind of our own plaything. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, exactly. Even though we know he has power, but we want him to use it for us like a sugar daddy. Exactly. Thank you for taking some time to listen to this episode of the Curtain Cape Mornings podcast. We always welcome a review with your thoughts and comments, and please feel free to subscribe and follow us as well. 1 Samuel chapter 28, that very bizarre story of King Saul and the medium at Endor when he wants her to call up Samuel, the prophet who has died, because he's not hearing from God. He's a desperate man. The Philistines are closing in. What in the world is going on? And, of course, the medium calls up Samuel, and then she is, John, she is, it seems to me like she's shocked to actually see Samuel. So... Do you think that she was a charlatan, you know, she was faking it all, and then she encountered the real thing? Was Samuel, was it really Samuel that was called up? And if so, why did he look like an old man? I mean, there's so many questions here, right? This is this is a hard text. Um, and I, I don't, you know, there are godly wise people who fall on different sides of this, so I don't want to pretend as though there's only one answer here. Um Let's let's just let's just state like kind of the the barest fact, which is this appears like Samuel. He talks, walks like Samuel. He talks like Samuel. Samuel, like it, it sure looks like him. And I actually think that that's why the medium, uh, the witch, is so surprised is that it's Samuel of all people who would have, you know, he would have been out for her, right? Like, uh, and so I I think that that's actually what causes her her startle. Um, but then the question is this, okay, so is this actually Samuel? And I'm going to argue that I think it's probably not Samuel. Hmm. Um, despite the fact that it really looks like Samuel, I actually think that this is probably a demonic uh, presence. Now, it's a demonic presence under the power of God. Um, God, is, God is still sovereign. And so God, God has sovereign control even over the demonic. Remember, like, when Jesus, you know, he, he cast the demonic presence, uh, the demonic host into uh, the, the pigs, right? Like, like God is still in charge. Like, there's no question about that. And so I think that's why we have Samuel speaking in, in ways Samuel would have speak, uh, spoken, right? To, to rebuke um, Saul so clearly in ways that are, are directing him back toward God, right? So that's the reason. I, here's here's my why for that, right? If this is the only text we have with this, you know, with this sort of question, uh, I think you would say, well, you know, it does, it looks as though you can conjure those from the dead. But I, there's other texts that we have in Scripture that make it appear 
uh, like you remember the parable Jesus speaks of, of the man who's di- who dies with the, the, the poor man Lazarus, right? And mm-hmm. he, he recognizes and the rich he's wrong. man. He's like, yes. Hey, mm-hmm. Exactly. Hey, send, send someone back to tell people, they're like, hey, you're past the divide. Like there's, there's no, there's no communication here. And so it's, it's texts like that and, and a lack of other texts that we have of engagement uh, that I, I, I believe uh, there is not engagement between the living and the dead. Uh, but there is engagement between human beings and spiritual beings. And so I, that's why I think this is a demonic presence. Um, you know what's interesting, too? If, if you, if you yeah. take that angle, which is fascinating, I, I think it's very interesting. Samuel says, uh, tomorrow you and your son will be with me. Does that mean if it was a demonic entity masquerading oh. as Samuel that Saul actually went to hell? That's that's what it certainly appears to be, yeah. Uh, which is pretty stark because yeah, um, <laughs> that like I is said at the very beginning. Yeah, like I said at the very beginning, it looks pretty. Uh, like if you were to look at Saul's life from the outside, there's there's a lot there that looks as though he's following God, um, and yet we know his heart, and his heart is not engaged. His heart is ultimately does not worship the one true God. Well, here's a, the other thing, too. If it was a demon, it knew the future. So, again, yeah. And so I don't think that the demon knows, knows the future necessarily. No. I think that God is, God is in control of the demon at this point. Yeah. And so God is, is mm. speaking through, like, he's like, okay, you want to hear from me? You're going to hear from me, Saul. Like, through a demonic presence. Wow. Uh, even That's the demonic. Like, it's, I didn't give you... I didn't withhold my voice from you. I didn't withhold kind of the future from you because, um, you know, because I couldn't tell it to you. I withheld it for you for a reason. And now, if you want it, here it is. Mm. Of course, if you go to the book, this is sobering. It's very interesting, too. The book of Deuteronomy, chapter 18, um, there shall not be found among you anyone who makes his son or his daughter pass through the fire, one who uses divination, one who practices witchcraft, or one who interprets omens, or a sorcerer, or uh, for one who casts a spell, or a medium, or a spiritist, or, or one who calls up the dead. For whoever does these things is detestable to the Lord. So, I mean, that's just one scripture, many, that um, condemns trying to contact the dead. So, of course, we know that, uh, that Saul and Jonathan... Uh, ended up dying in battle the very next day. So uh, that was an accurate prediction by the demon, Samuel, whoever it was, what was going to happen. So, and Kate, you alluded to this earlier, and let's get back to this. And and you, you talk about this in your article, John. While most of us probably are not in jeopardy of disobeying God's commandment to consult a medium, many of us are in danger of what led Saul to take his action, an over-the-top longing for God's direction. Man, we really want to know. And how do we walk that fine line? Because the Bible's clear that God does guide us. And I, like, let me just pull up, pull back and say, yeah, like, well, you know, I kind of passed over the, like, while most of us aren't, like, there is, there are those in the church who dabble in the occult, and and it's not to be messed with, right? Like, um, it's, it's not something to 
to play around with. And so I, I, I don't want to let that kind of pass by. But yeah, I think for most of us, uh, we have just this, like, if only I knew, if only I, I knew what job God wanted me to have. And we could be, it's, here, here's the reality. We're warring with God's sovereignty in those moments. We are trying to claim sovereignty for ourselves. We're trying to say, like, if I just knew all of the facts, then, then I could control my place and control my direction. But what if, what if it is that God intentionally withholds these things from us to make us draw closer to him so that we can rely on him? So that he could be the one that we trust in, not that job, not that future spouse, not that whatever that is, you know, that question that we have. God wants us to trust in him daily. And I think oftentimes his, his withholding of information, it's not out of a lack of love. It's because he loves us. He wants us to, to be in his presence, to seek him out and to seek him as, his, as our true peace. These verses that we can find in Scripture that encourage us to um, press into the Lord because honestly he is he is going to lead us when we need to know we will know what to do and and I know that's that sounds uh, very simplistic but it is it is so very true and there's just no shortcut to um, a relationship with God but also his guidance you know here's some verses out of God's Word, um, starting at uh, Psalm 25, verse 12. Who is the man that fears the Lord? Him shall he teach the way he chooses. So in other words, the Lord will teach this man or this woman, uh, you know, and guide them to choose in the right way. So uh, here's another one. Your word is a lamp to my feet, Psalm 119. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. So God has given us his word, maybe not on specific individual guidance, but principles for sure. Uh, Your ears shall hear a word behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it whenever you turn to the right hand or whenever you turn to the left. And then, of course, uh, here's another one. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will guide you with my eye upon you. And then finally, Jeremiah 10, 23, I'm thinking about that. Uh, as well. Oh, Lord, I, I know the way of man is not in himself. It is not in man who walks to direct his own steps. This is great because when you take a look at the whole picture from God's word, he promises to lead us, but not apart from a close relationship with him. And that's why, I mean, we want to be with him because we love him. And we need to admit, you know what? I could be wrong when it comes to, uh, you know, seeking this, that, or whatever. Lord, is it your will? Is it not your will? But I have to have faith that he's going to guide me. And I'm not, if I sincerely want to follow him, he's going to make sure that I stay on the path. And maybe I need to not run ahead of him. Maybe I need to not lag behind. Maybe I just need to walk in step with him each and every day. That is the answer, and to be, you know, don't go looking for him when you need to make a decision, right? You want to make sure you know the tone of his voice through his word, and you're there every day. You've got this back-and-forth relationship. That's how we know what the next step will be, not maybe what's down the road, but he gives us enough light for that next step, and that's where trust comes in, isn't it? So good. So good. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think of. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, be not in your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him, and He will make your path straight. Like, it, I, 
all of these verses uh, have this alongsideness in the journey. Like, follow God, seek God, seek the things of God. Like, so often, you know, one of the things as a pastor I often tell people is like, hey, if you if you are seeking out how, God, how can you develop the fruits of the Spirit in my life? How can, like, like where is that going to flourish most? Then it really, like, it really opens up our vistas so that we're not thinking like that there's some magical path that we have to, you know, divine um, in our relationship with God. Sometimes he'll give us those moments in his grace. Um, but many times he's just like, just keep walking with me. Just keep walking with me. Mm-hmm. And that's, um, that's his invitation. Each and every day. John, thanks so much for your company here today. Thanks for writing the article. And this is just a really interesting uh, part of Scripture, and we've always been curious about it. And we appreciate your thoughts on this. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you, Kurt and Kate. Thanks for listening to Kurt and Kate Morning's podcast. Please take a minute to follow, subscribe, and review us. And no matter where in the world you are, you can listen to us live from 6 to 9 a.m. weekdays on the Moody Radio app.